Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Mondo Show. Guess who made it to the orange couch? The bishop. The orange <laughs> couch, man. I made it. Oh, welcome to the orange couch. This is bishop, podcaster, author, Alan Didido. Is that, is that? I know who you're oh, talking God. about. I don't even know how to speak English, let alone Italian. I'll tell you what, someone like you. I, I you were just in Rome. I was just in you know, Rome. The Dio. The Dio. The Dio. Listen, I can't believe you're on the orange couch. We got our dear friend Troy Brewer. Oh, yeah. Which, by the way, Troy, I got to settle a score with you. How dare you go into his podcast and say that's the best show you can do? And you were on my show. You didn't say that. You know, he's just got to be honest. You know, you just got to tell the truth. People love you. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, I don't know it's, what it's it the is. beard. It's the beard. That's Maybe, what it is. Listen, you look good. <laughs> I look like Osama bin Laden. No. <laughs> the I beard's covering. Beard the beard's a covering. Oh it's, man. Nobody wants to see my face. It's an honor. Such and a pleasure to be listen, here. Listen, you have uh if I can say this, a cool vibe. <laughs> can I say that? You got a you cool vibe. It. Your energy's it feels good. I feel like I've known you for years. Yeah. Yeah, I just met you a few hours ago. What is it about vibes that create that opportunity to be real with one another? You know, I think it's, it, you know, we know each other not by the flesh. No, no man after the flesh, but know them after the spirit. Those of you watching, you know what it's like when you connect with someone who's a part of the body of Christ. There's a connection. And then you connect with people who are part of your tribe. And then there's a whole nother connection. Oh, and bro, I think I think man. I think I think you're my tribe. <laughs> I'm part of your gang, man. You know, listen, I'm a horrible host. I should always introduce my guests. The last person I had on the orange couch, I don't know if you know him, but it's Rabbi Jason Sobel. Oh wow! But he was here. I forgot to introduce him because here you have a rabbi with MJ's on. You know that took me by surprise. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you are the host of Encounter today. The Encounter Underground podcast. What's the underground? So the underground was, you know what's happening with social media, the censorship that's taking place. Yes. And we don't want to abandon social media because that's the crossroads of the world. We need to be there. But there are some conversations that we need to have with one another and with the body of Christ that are uncensored. So we have our Encounter Today YouTube channel, but we said we want to have a place where we go where we know we'll never be canceled, and mm -hmm. that's the Encounter Underground Then podcast. you have the Encounter Christ Church. Yep. Yep. Where is that located? In Red Cross, North Carolina, Red right outside Cross. of Charlotte. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good We're name. about to launch the Encounter Charlotte in just a few months. And you're going to be in both yep. places? Satellite, oh, yeah. I'm sure, right? No, in person. In person? Yeah, we're going to do Friday nights in Charlotte probably is how that's going to look. Yeah. Ooh. We just want to bring revival fire to the city of Charlotte. So. Let, let me ask you right from the get-go because I got a lot of questions, Bishop. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> when you're a bishop, it changes the whole dynamic know, of the conversation. Weird. Look at you. You're a bishop, archbishop. Are you an archbishop yet? I'm not an archbishop no? okay. yet. Okay, yeah. maybe we've got to make you an archbishop <laughs> soon. Are you a rabbi? <laughs> no. No, you're Fa a podcaster. Father Allen. You can call Father me Father Allen. <laughs> Father <laughs> Allen. Listen, Father, i got to confess here. Oh, no. What is it about church that many people are disappointed at? Because when you look at our generation, not just you and I, I'm talking about the culture as a whole, whether it be baby boomer generation, Gen Z, but I'm talking about the culture as, as we speak today are disappointed at church. You have movements like the ex-evangelical. And I don't even know if they're called a movement, but there, there's a conversation taking place as a bishop, as a pastor, 
as an author, where do you see the church? What's happening to the church or what's happened to the church? It's a lot of questions. It's a 30-minute no. show. <laughs> I think we can hit it. I think the, one of the reasons why we see anger directed at the church, number one, we have not delivered on the promise. They wanted it to be true. We addressed this a little bit over there on the Jim Baker Show. They wanted it to be true. But when they came to us and they didn't find the power, they didn't find the answer, they didn't find the hope, that created such disappointment and offense, that's why they're so angry at the church right now. It's not their fault, it's our fault. But at the same time, there's another reason why there's such discontent within the church. We've not held people accountable. Children will kick against accountability, but they thrive in it. And so it's really important that we set a high standard for the body of Christ and hold them to it, and we haven't been holding them to it. And I think your audience, people who watch your show, they're the kind of people who like, I mean, challenge me, step on my toes, <laughs> right? I mean, that's that's the kind of people who are connected with this kind of ministry. But the body of Christ at large hasn't been like that. Yeah. And they've needed it, but they don't want it. Mm. And so pastors have been kind of falling prey to the need for popularity and clicks and shares. And I think you realize that we as a culture are tired of people lying to us, manipulating us, yeah. right? We've learned how to manipulate in the culture today. We know the right talk, we know the right one-liner, we know where to put the music in, and we know how to manipulate so people can mm. give, so people can stand up, so people can do this. And I, I think we have a smart yet underrated culture today. Dangerous, yeah, but very smart because they're willing to talk what most generations are afraid to talk about. As a pastor, how do you lead a church in an environment that is being coined as a woke movement? Well, there's there's two things you can do. You can either kind of align yourself with it, right? You can kind of go along with it and hope to ride it and make, and maybe everyone will accept you and then they'll love you. Or you can get more radical. If you get more radical, make the praise louder, pray more in the Holy Ghost, cast out more devils, lay hands on the sick, then what's going to happen is you're going to start to draw the radicals to come around you, and people who are really hungry for truth are going to start to gravitate around you. So I think it's really important for churches and ministries to realize they're not going to love you. And if you stay in the middle of the lane, you're not going to succeed. You're going to stall out. It's time to get more radical. It's time more to get radical. more undignified. Ooh, That's what I think. That's a threat. <laughs> yeah, That's a threat yeah. to the society because promise. society says, white evangelicals that talk the way you talk, are being coined as nationalists. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm watching this movement of, of language move into an environment that is changing definitions. Yeah. Yep. You, know, you understand what I'm yes, saying? Yes. Back when we were growing up, meaning in the 90s and then in the 2000s, uh, we weren't talking like this. Mm-mm. Now you got ex-evangelicals coining church leaders, especially white evangelical leaders, as a threat to the culture. Even prophets. Even prophets. Even prophets are coming against what they call nationalism. They, they see no place for patriotism. And here's, here's my problem with that. And I understand that patriotism can be unhealthy. But if you're really going to intercede for a nation, you have to love that nation. Mm. And to love that nation, that's called patriotism. I think there's got to be a revival of Holy Ghost, heaven-sent patriotism in the United States, and with it will come an impassioned intercession that will produce a revival. Listen, if you're watching, I'm a terrible interviewer. I got to go to school (laughs) for this type of stuff. But no, listen, 
My special guest today is an author. He's a podcaster. He's a pastor. He's a friend. He's a father. Uh, he's, I, I want to tell you something. It's very rare to find someone like Bishop Allen to talk about where we are in the culture today. This program, I like to talk about where we are in the culture, politics, end time prophecy, but also talk about where we are biblically today, because even though you may be a Christian, yet your biblical view of life is not making any sense. You're trying to change the gospel to fit according to what you want your life to look like. It doesn't work that way. That's why I believe the Bible is a controversy book. Mm -hmm. It's a controversial subject. And when we're dealing about where we are today, you almost have to understand that it's not time for you to compromise. That's right. It's not time for you to change your views on the Bible to try to fit this group and that group. I, I like to look at it this way, Pastor. If we change the gospel, is that making the gospel not sufficient enough? Yeah. Is it not enough to change lives? Why are we afraid of the Bible? Well, it's, it's, it's the age-old story, right? We're afraid of what people will think of us. Mm. We're afraid they're not accept us. And so as a result, we compromise the message. And this is for people, not just for people who are ministers. When you're standing in the line at the grocery store and you see in your spirit, you laying your hands on the person in the line in front of you, and everyone watching this can relate with that, or you see them ministering in a certain way, what you wind up doing if you do obey that inkling at all is watering it down, and instead of laying hands on their head, you lay it on their shoulder. Instead of saying what you saw in your spirit, you say something else that's a little more acceptable. And when you do that, you water down the potency of the moment. Ooh. And I think this is a great time to challenge people. When you're in the line at the grocery store, you're at the gas station, you're in church, and you feel led to minister somebody, you see it in your spirit, do it exactly the way you saw it in your spirit. And when you do, you're going to have that potency, that power. But if you water it down at all, so this is what Jesus did. He said, whatever I see the Father do. Well, where did he see the Father do it? In his spirit. So when you see yourself, when the Spirit of God shows you something in your spirit, do it exactly and don't water it down. And when you see something written in this book, don't water it down, say it exactly the way this book says it. And it has the power to convert the soul. But what do we do, Bishop, with equality? What do we do with immorality? What do we do We're, as a Christian? What do we do with these issues, though? What do we do? Equality, equity, all of these issues that are hot button right now. Here's what you need to know, because everybody... Our modern apologetics have failed us. Mm. Apologetics have failed us. We thought we needed to give an answer that they would accept mentally, emotionally, on the surface. When the Bible says that the word of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. So you don't have to worry about equity or equality or you don't have to be an, an archaeologist to know about the evolution of man. You don't have to be a cosmologist to know about how the universe started. All you need to do is speak that word into the situation, a word in season into the situation. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You just got to have a little bit of knowledge of the Bible, and you'll be able to break through all of the clutter of these extremes we have in today's society. Man, I got, I don't, my time is like running out, and I got so much to talk to you about. You're one of the rare pastors that are willing to talk about the current issues in our culture. Here we're dealing with cultural changes, meaning terminologies are changing, yeah. definitions are changing, 
biblical views are even changing from our pulpits. I mean, I'm talking about people that we know. If I say their names, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah. But they're compromising the book. Yeah. I've never been in a, in a situation where there's no more altar calls. Hmm. You can't preach about the blood. Yet, I look you up. You know what's <laughs> the first thing I <laughs> comes up? The blood. The blood. It's yeah. going to get bloody in here. Yeah. Yeah. That'll get your attention. It's about to get bloody. What do you mean it's about to get bloody? Well, since Roe versus Wade, the blood of innocence has been shed across this nation. And we have not yet seen the judgment of God as a result of that. The reason is because Roe versus Wade was foisted upon the American people. Mm -hmm. We didn't get to make the decision legislatively. Now with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, we were celebrating. And you know what the Spirit of God said to me? He said, this could be the end of the American church. If she does not rise up to fight for life, because she didn't have a choice before, but now with it being kicked back to the states, it's the job of the church to rise up and to saturate the United States of America in the blood of Jesus if we're going to see the mercy of God released instead of the judgment of God released because of the shedding of innocent blood. So I believe we need a mighty communion revival. I believe we need a mighty revolution of an understanding of the blood of Jesus in the modern church, we got to get back to the blood. We got to get back to a bloody gospel. Ooh, man, that that right there, you're causing a lot of people to shake in different ways, right? Because one way you're looking at what the culture is rejecting, and another way you're you're looking at at the old regime of the church. Mm -hmm. The church as an institution. I love the church. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I love the church. I wouldn't be here if the church wasn't preaching and reaching and, and teaching the gospel. I am an advocate for the church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell should not prevail against her. I believe that the church is the key for your salvation. I believe the church is the foundation for the change in this culture today. But what do we do, Bishop? When the institution of church has damaged people, where do we go from here as a church? We build a new one. When I started my church, in fact, when I was born again after being an atheist and set free, gloriously saved, I wanted to become to the Christian. I was, I was an atheist because there were so many Christians out there who were hypocrites. When I got saved, I realized I want to be the Christian I wish they would have been. Mm. And then when I went to pastor a church, when I went to launch a church, Instead of being jaded and, and upset at what the church wasn't, I said, you know what? I'm just going to be what I always wanted to see in a church. And so that's what we have to do. And I think it's happening. There's a mighty church planning move that's taking place across the nation and around the world. Churches are rising up. So what you need to do, and I want to encourage you to do this, don't just complain about it. You can now take that wisdom, what you've experienced, that pain, and turn it into a revolution where you now become the answer, where you begin to meet those needs. And you raise up a church that you always wanted to see. And I think we're about to see that. Listen, you, you're amazing. I, I love having these real conversations. I don't think we can have this type of conversations without going into where we are as a culture. Yeah. Right? I keep talking about culture and, and church because I believe it affects each other. The church has the power to affect culture, but it seems like culture has more an effect into the church like we've never seen before. That's important. This is what I'm hearing. Help me understand. I'm, I'm confessing the, the, the sins or, or confessing the pain of our society to you, Pastor. And you, I didn't give you these notes. No. Right? You don't know where I'm going, what I'm asking. 
You're doing a great job. Thanks. I appreciate you. Are you are too. But I got to ask you this. As a church, as pastors, what I'm hearing in the streets is why aren't more pastors stepping out and creating more accountability to other pastors? Why are white pastors not talking about certain issues more? Why are white pastors, and I, and I emphasize white because some reason they're coming after the white yeah. pastors. White evangelicals are in the wrong. White evangelicals are the enemy of the church and the culture. But when you hear those conversations, what comes to your mind? Well, it's, it's interesting. We have abandoned pastors. We have provided no support, no help. The moment they do one thing wrong, we stab them in the back. We mm. gossip about them. And then we get frustrated when they go with the crowd. Because I can tell you, in the liberal world, if you say what they want you to say, they'll pat you on the back. They'll love you up one end and down the other. The church is not that way. If you do what's right, if you speak for what's right, I, I've known ministries that went from preaching prosperity, which yeah. I believe in prosperity, and they felt a, a call from God to just win souls. You know what happened to their support? It dried up. So I want to encourage the body of Christ, when you see a ministry like yours, mm -hmm. support it. Not just with your prayers. You need to send in messages of encouragement. You need to send in financial support. You need to let the world know that this is the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what we're talking about when we talk about the gospel. And if we do that, I think we're going to see far less preachers falling prey to the whim of the crowd. Wow. Do I make you nervous asking you this question? No. No, <laughs> no I'm, I'm glad because I believe that you want answers. You're looking for someone to be able to be honest with you honest. and answer the questions that you have in your heart. I believe that there's a remnant group of people, meaning pastors like Bishop Allen, that are not afraid to talk about LGBTQ plus two issues. Yeah. You got to add the plus two now. Yeah. Issues of transgenderism, the ideologies of CRT, critical race theory. Yes. We have to talk about those issues. Why? Because if, if we don't have the answers in the church, they're going to get the answer somewhere else. And I believe that if you get the answer somewhere else, you may not come back to the book. Can I, can I come back to this, the whole white pastor Let's thing? do it. Because I had a pastor say to me, they, they had walked past a pastor's meeting, and they saw you know four white pastors, white, whatever that means, sitting around a table, and they said, there's no diversity in that meeting. Hmm. And to which my response was, well, did you know that one of them was the survivor of a Holocaust? He's a Holocaust survivor a, from a Jewish family. He's a Messianic Jew now, born again, and his family survived the Holocaust. The other one's a Cuban immigrant. Can't tell his skin tone was just as light as anybody else's. But his, he is a first-generation immigrant from Cuba. The other one is from a working-class family raised in poverty in Appalachia. And the other one was raised with, uh, with wealth and yeah. affluence. And they've just all gathered around the table. What you see there is just four white people. No, no, no. That's diversity. Diversity is not just about how we look. It's about our background. It's about where we come from. It's how we think. And here's what I love about the body of Christ. It doesn't matter where you go. I could be in Pakistan. I could be in China. I can find brothers and sisters in Christ yeah. who believe what they believe, not because of the culture around them, not because they were raised that way, but because Jesus has set them free. And we need to get back to instead of diversity, how about we talk about decency and loving Ooh. one another in the kingdom? <laughs> and I think diversity will evolve from that. Come on.
Yeah, well, anyway, I, I, you got me fired up. Oh, this, so. man. Listen, I love this. I want to tell you why. I'm supposed to be talking about his book, Arm for Victory. But I, all the, everything that you're answering is part of what you're talking about in this book. Yeah. When we get this book, Arm for Victory, what is it that you want us to get out of? Well, it's, it's how to win the battle for this generation, right? It's how to win the battle for your nation. Because I believe that the body of Christ, there's a prophecy that says that they will beat their swords into plowshares. And what the church has done is they have prematurely done that. And so we've taken the weapons that God has given us to advance his kingdom, and we've turned them into plowshares, implements of agriculture, or maintenance. Mm. So now we're trying to maintain the church instead of advance the kingdom. And God spoke to me and said, I'm opening my armory in these last days. And I'm going to release weapons that haven't been seen in generations. And so in this book, I uncover what I believe those weapons are and then how you can grab hold of them. When you say weapons, what do you mean weapons? I'm talking about spiritual weapons. For example, we talk about the sword of the spirit. Mm -hmm. Uh, In in the book, I talk about a, a gentleman named Mad Jack Churchill in World War II. World War II, Churchill called it the Wizarding War because of all the technological advancements. It was hard to keep up with the Nazi army because of how advanced their technology was. But in the midst of all of that, you have a soldier called Mad Jack who would come off the landing craft, not with a gun. He would have a sword and a longbow. He was seen fighting Nazis, playing bagpipes, and tossing grenades. This guy would hunt Nazis at night with his bow and arrow, and he captured 40 armed armed Nazis with nothing but his sword. So one of the things I want to do is I want to bring people back to the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But then there are other weapons we haven't seen. The avenging prayer is one of them. There's many others in the, in, the, in the book, but those are the kinds of weapons I'm talking about. Listen, I got five minutes left. I got to do this. Go ahead. Can you lead someone to Christ? Come on. Let, uh, this is what it's all about. Yeah. This is not, we can talk about culture. We can talk about politics. We can talk about church and institution. But the greatest message that I can give you through this program is to give you an opportunity. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your life is all about right now. I don't know where you are when it comes to your marriage. I don't know where you are. Maybe you got fired and you're getting ready to commit suicide because you don't feel good enough. Maybe you gave up on God. I created this show for this one very reason, is to allow you to make your own mind about the gospel. But more than that, I can't let you leave without giving us a presentation to how do we know Christ? What do we need to do to be saved? This question has been a question for thousands of years. Master, what do I got to do to be saved? The same question for 2022. What must I do to be saved? Well, the first thing I want you to do is recognize that you were born into battle. The moment you were born, Satan was vying for your soul. And ever since that day, he's been setting you up and he's been lying to you, whispering in your mind, thoughts that you thought were your own, but were the thoughts of the enemy. But here's what I want to hear. I want you to hear today. Heaven is a free gift. It is not earned or deserved. That's good news. Here's the bad news. Man is a sinner and he cannot save himself. You can't save yourself any more than a drowning man can pull himself out of the ocean. You need the love and grace of God in your life. And I'm telling you, it's reaching out to you right now. So heaven is a free gift. It's not earned or deserved, but man is a sinner. He can't receive the free gift. 
So God sends his son, Jesus Christ. Here's why. Because he is a just God. God must judge sin. Your sin must be judged. And the penalty is very harsh. It's an eternity separated from him. But God sent his son, Jesus, to take your place, to take the penalty of your sin on himself so that you could walk in his love and in his righteousness. And all you have to do is trust in him. That's what I want you to do right now. Would you just lift your hands right there where you are all across the nation and around the world? Just lift your hands and say, Satan, you can't have me anymore. Jesus, I'm all yours. Say this. Say, Jesus, I trust you with my eternal salvation. I make you right now the Lord of my life. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit, with the evidence of it. In Jesus' mighty name. Now that is the beginning of your journey. Something has happened on the inside of you. And now you recognize you're not only born into battle, but you're born again to win. You have a new destiny. God loves you. And there's a whole family of us here in the body of Christ, Mondo. Absolutely. Who are ready to stand in faith with you and believe God with you. And now what you need is books like this that can prepare you, equip you for the next level of your life. Arm for Victory. If there was ever a book for right now, is this book right here to help you understand how do I fight through the battles? How do I get through the season that I just came out of? You pray the prayer. Go tell everybody what just happened in your life. Go shout it from the rooftops that God set you free. Listen, one of the greatest things that we can do for you is to allow you to see who we are as people. We're just sinners. I'm I'm an ex-gang member. Can you believe that? I'm hosting my own program on a national television (laughs) program. This is it. If God can do it for me, God can do it for you. Get the book, Arm for Victory, Prayer Strategies that Unlock the End Time Armory of God. It is for now. And then read the word. Get the book. Read the book. Stick to the plan. Listen, you've tried everything else in your life. And if God can do it for the two of us, Hmm. can you imagine the plan God has for you? The Bible says this, as a man thinketh, so is he. Whatever's in your heart, whatever you're hiding in the subconscious of your heart is what is controlling your mind. Allow your mind to be, you know what, not controlled by the desires of your own heart, the perversion of your own desires of your heart. Switch it. You know what? God wants you to be pure. Stop Mm. watching those crazy shows. Stop watching pornography in the middle of the night, Pastor. Mm. God wants you to be pure, to be holy. And listen, the the word holiness, we don't even have time. I got 42 seconds. We don't even have time to go into. You must, you, you must, you misinterpreted what holiness is all about. It's not about religion. It's about accountability. It's about obeying. It's about being obedient to the word of God. When God wants to move, Will you be pure enough to be moved by God? Oh, man, that's a question that you can answer alone. But I ask you this, and I'll leave you with this. Can your kids watch in public what you watch in private? Can your kids say in public what you say in private? I guarantee you the answer is probably no, because your heart is full of evil. Every man needs God. Every woman needs God. We need a revival in our hearts. And my challenge to you is give your heart to Christ today. Let him change you. Let him change you from within so your thoughts can change. Oh, man, my time is gone. 
Arm for Victory. I got to go. Get the book today. Bishop, author, podcaster, <laughs> pastor, love you. friend, Alan Didio. Didio. I love it. <laughs> I got to go. Love you. Keep the faith. It's going to be all right. Bye-bye.